Good morning, guys. This is the Aerogen Podcast. I'm your host, Oliver Cornley, and today, Connor and Brandon are going to be sharing their knowledge on mergers and acquisitions. They're going to give you a simple introduction into mergers and both acquisitions. They're going to give you some practical, real-life examples. Now, these are amazing to use in interviews or even your job application. It's demonstrating that you're aware of what's going on in the world and you can apply uh, theories to practical life. Shows that you're on top of the game. Shows that you're part of that 5% who actually care, who push themselves to learn more and to be curious about the world. Be sure to check out our website, ourgen.co.uk. That's ourgen.co.uk. It's free membership, guys. It's that simple. Invest in yourself today by getting free membership on OurGen. You've got plenty of things on there. You've got forum pages. You've got podcasts like this. You've got newsletters. You've got group chats. Lots of amazing content on there. So be sure to check out our website. So uh, like I always say, keep learning and get earning. And I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the finance segment of the podcast as part of our rotational aspect. Last week, we talked a bit more about tech and today we'll be talking about mergers and acquisitions. Now, this is a very key concept, both in business, in finance, and investment banking. So, today we're going to demystify the well, the difference between the two, the applications, the the wheres, the whys, the hows, uh, all that jazz. Uh, of so course, Connor, as have you usual. Got anything to add before we get into it? Uh, no, I mean this is one of the first topics that I think I remember learning when we started. Do you remember Mutis, Brandon? Um, when we went, I I this was the first. This was the first lecture on inversion acquisition, so this is a, a real throwback for me on my end. <laughs> yeah, it can be a confusing topic because there was a guy in that class who was very perplexed by the, <laughs> the difference between mergers and acquisitions. Yeah, so of course. We'll go so. ahead and try to make the distinction between the two. Yeah, we'll we'll do this for him as well. You know. <laughs> Of course, if he's listening out there, then this this is precisely for you. So, of course. Yeah, why don't we just go ahead and, and just make the difference? So, a merger, Connor, is is what? What is a merger? Well, I think to start off, let's let's talk about the umbrella term of merger acquisitions. It's kind of like oh, sure. just an umbrella term for the combination of two businesses. Now, uh, mergers and acquisitions, they do have some differences. So, yeah, we'll start off with merger. So in a merger, the board of, board of directors for two companies approve the combination and kind of seek shareholders' approval to combine the two companies. Um, there's different types. I'm sure Brandon will talk about them more, about this, this sort of horizontal mergers and vertical mergers where you can either merge with people who are on the same level of you. So like Asda and Tesco merging, they're same same, same sort of sector. And vertical mergers where you merge with your supplier and that's to, you know, kind of improve the supply chain efficiency um, ensure great availability for all customers. So, yeah, that's the horizontal and uh, vertical side of things. Um, yeah, but what, would you have anything to say about that, Brandon? Yes, I mean, that's completely correct uh, with the mergers. It's more about combining the, the powers of two businesses traditionally together to create, uh, to create a company under one corporate name. And uh, these companies will, as as Connor said, would either form in a, a horizontal integration to 
to kind of combine both stages at the supply chain in the production process and utilize both kind of processes mm. or it could be due through vertical integration where there's different parts of the, uh, the supply chain and this could be in further forward vertical integration where it involves acquiring say like merging with a business say if i'm business a if it's forward vertical integration then I'm merging with a business which is further up in the supply chain. Uh, For example, a vehicle's manufacturer might buy a car's parts distributor, and that would be forwards vertical integration. For something Mm. more like backwards vertical integration, this would involve, well, kind of vice versa. It would be, if I was a business, I'd be merging with a business which operates earlier in the supply chain. For example, maybe like a, a retailer buying a wholesaler and that pretty much is the types of integration which can can happen. Yeah, one thing that always stood out to me was, it really perplexed me actually, was how do you actually form these things? Because obviously you've got the person that owns the business who wants to sell at the highest price possible, but then the buyer always wants to buy at the lowest price. So how how do these kind of come to an agreement? And I've searched up and... In terms of valuation matters, there's kind of two ratios you can use, two comparative ratios. There's hmm. the uh, price-to-earnings ratio in which the acquiring company makes an offer, which is a multiple of the earnings of the target company. And then there's the enterprise value to sales ratio, which is the acquiring company makes an offer, which is a multiple of the revenues again of the target company, but they're aware of the price-to-sales rate ratio of other companies in the industry. And that's that's two of the ratios I used. And there's also another one, which is replacement cost. And that's the entire cost of replacing the company. And also using a basic accounting term, uh, a discounted cash flow, uh, that sort of analysis to look what's the best price, what's like the equilibrium to use when looking to merge. Because obviously these are two sides. They're kind of they're kind of against each other in the fact that they want to get the best price for each company. But they're also on the same boat where they want to merge and, you know, have these economies of scale and concentration and agglomeration and, you know, make the most of it. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Uh, and before we go any further, maybe we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. We've not really touched upon acquisition. So in terms of acquisition, Connor, can you explain to the audience what an acquisition is as opposed to a merger? Sure. So uh, acquisition is the act of acquiring a company. What happens is a company obtains the majority stake in the acquired firm, but you don't necessarily need to change the name or alter its legal structure. You often preserve this existing stock symbol. And there's there's two certain types of acquisitions. There's hostile and friendly and as you can tell from the names one one it one does sound very nasty and one sounds like it's uh like a merger it sounds very kind and friendly so hostile is where the company takes over uh the target company without the manager and board of directors on board so what might happen is if uh shares are listed on the stock exchange a company could buy a 50 percent majority stake and technically have legal ownership of the company a friendly takeover is more the manager and the board directors are on board and you want their company to be um, acquired and come under um, and kind of like benefit from the supply chain side of things. 
Um, mm. they're obviously on board for it. That's what makes it so friendly rather than hostile. Oh yes, I think I think some uh, examples which I can think of from the top of my head. Um, one which is very relevant in today's world is you know Amazon's acquisition of Twitch. I mean, everyone's uh, starting to really hear more about Twitch because it's more prevalent, especially mm. as COVID. You know, we we want stuff to entertain us, and and watching streamers on Twitch is very nice. Uh, back in two thousand fourteen, Amazon actually acquired Twitch, and they acquired Twitch for I think about nine hundred million dollars, and uh, this allowed. Through and this acquisition really allowed Twitch to take off because it utilizes Amazon resources, and were able to leverage themselves further. Uh, they introduced some different concepts such as Twitch Prime, which I won't go into, but uh, just a few different concepts. And uh, Twitch's valuation today is well over fifteen billion dollars, uh, which is more than well fifteen times, sixteen times what it was back in two thousand fourteen. Uh, showing the astronomical gains of some this kind of like combination between two different companies, it really makes that extra difference in bringing together these resources to create extra value. Yeah, it's good uh, because guess... you kind of integrated. So, for example, Amazon Web Services, the the database side of things, Twitch's like streams are like, kind of hosted on these now to allow for fast access. So that comes back to what we were saying before about this integration side, making the most of one company's resources to benefit your own. And obviously, Twitch is massively successful. I mean, my brother's always my brother's always on it, and he's always asking me to claim these tri- Twitch Prime rewards from on the likes of FIFA, etc. So I've I've heard all about it. <laughs> Yeah, it's Absolutely. yeah, like you said, and it's uh, integration. It it draws back to this idea, and it's uh, it's called synergies, guys. So synergies is the is the outcome of the the combination between business activities and good synergy will basically means that by combining two business resource business activities together, the performance of the two companies together outweighs the sum of its parts. It's so that it's old catchphrase. Together. It's that old catchphrase. Yes. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts, you know. Uh, <laughs> teamwork makes the dream work. Honestly, like you said, there's, and oh, what are those two types of synergies? Revenue synergies and cost synergies. Yes, there's revenue synergies Which you can benefit and cost from. synergies. So maybe utilizing different production facilities, you can benefit from economies of scale. You're able mm-hmm. to produce more output than for minimal input, and your cost can go down. And then this also translates to revenue synergies because if you're producing more output for less input, then you know your revenue per, per item sold is just going to be higher. Your profit margins are going to be higher, and especially if the product just gets even better because of these two companies working on it, then you're just benefiting in a variety of different ways. 100%. And, I mean, those are examples of acquisitions. Um, With regards to mergers, uh, one that really stood out to me, and this this is solely because I work in Tesco, in the retail industry, a speculative one, which never went through because of... uh, 
the competitive market authorities, the, the market share was going to be too high and it would have caused um, it, the businesses to be a monopoly within that sector. Asda and Sainsbury's. Now, Asda and Sainsbury's um, noticed that one of them specialised in non-food and one of them specialised in food, you know, fresh food, sort of your fruit and veg produce, um, chilled foods. And that, I think that was, yeah, Asda specialised in non-food and Sainsbury's specialised in the fresh, uh, the fresh side of things. Now, those two components are ultimately what makes up the, a whole supermarket. When you go into a supermarket, it's either fresh food or you sort of toiletries, your non-food sort of thing. So imagine having the supply chain access, one supply chain accessible to both firms at your disposal. You manage to get all sorts of it, all all the products, all the availability in both your stores while also maintaining your customer base you know as doing sainsbury's plan was to maintain this as the brand image maintain the sainsbury's brand image but still benefit from having this um uh, this best of both approach having both uh food and non-food and ultimately it didn't go through because i think they would have got a 31.8 percent market share now i think the legal limit is 25 i mean legal uh combined one is 25 you can't go over that i mean tesco has 28 naturally but coming in there would just be completely anti-competitive but the concept's still there benefit benefiting from each of each other's strengths and that in, that in itself is uh, a cost synergy like brandon was saying before yeah absolutely and th- that's the one of the things which which is very very heavily monitored in the in the business world is Really looking, taking a step backwards and thinking, okay, this, this company is going to benefit really like a lot from this acquisition, but is it to a point where they have too much power? And this comes into where the CMA comes in and they need to evaluate the, you know, what Connor said before, the, the competitiveness of, of this acquisition or slash merger and whether it's fair, uh, are the company able to take advantage of their customer base from the, the lack of competition now. They've eliminated a major competitor as there's eliminated, uh, what did you say, Sainsbury's, Connor? Yeah, Sainsbury's, as there are Sainsbury's. If, as they were to uh, eliminate Sainsbury's, then maybe they could take uh, control of the price of certain products and maybe it would not be fair to the customers. Uh, but by having too much power, it can be a bit of a sticky thing. So uh, in one way... They could be used to benefit the customers, but it's another way when when the company has too much power over the market, it can uh, affect negatively, especially if the company becomes complacent as a market leader, mm. and then the product is just staying stagnant and is not driven to to be better because of competition. So this is what the CMA, uh, the Competition Market Authorities, kind of looks for. When, when judging whether an acquisition slash merger should go through. And you know, this sort of stuff's happened in the past. Uh, there was an instance in 2004, Sainsbury's and uh, other supermarkets were actually colluding, which means the act of working together, to actually set the price of milk. Um, milk's usually priced at a loss leader pricing, meaning everyone bought loses profit, but it gets that benefit of bringing people into the store and they're more likely to uh, benefit. Uh, they're more likely to buy more profitable items, which benefits Sainsbury's. So colluding on a price, setting this precedent for milk, pushed all those supermarkets involved, priced up. And 
you know, just because of a big company, sometimes it's easy to fall for it and go, oh, they would never do that. You know, they're a big uh, corporately yeah. socialist sponsor. But it does happen. It does happen. And they, they ultimately got fined tens of millions for that because it is surely anti-competitive. So the CMA it is a government entity. It puts to practice all these rules and makes sure that the market is fair. Imagine all the little corner shops, you know, being eliminated by these big players. So there is some need oh, for intervention. Definitely. And for every acquisition and merger, you know, any big one, it's got to go through with the CMA. It's got to be approved. Absolutely. You make a great point with small businesses. I mean, this is the kind of anti-competitive kind of behaviour which, which the CMA is trying to deal with. And... Yeah, totally. And the milk example is a great example because, mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, a lot of people just blindly trust in what the the big sh- the shops do, and is a great example of why collusion is such a a a well monitored thing yeah. within the industry. They need to monitor it closely so that customers are not being taken advantage for or being sold uh, unfairly within the market. So, now, we talked about merging acquisitions in a broad sense, but I want to talk a bit more about uh, merging acquisitions in the investment banking sense, because, obviously, in investment banking, merging acquisitions are a very integral part of it, and I think it's one of the four major cornerstones in investment banking, apart from trading, apart from equities, private equities, and uh, capital markets. Uh, merging acquisition is one of the pillars of investment banking. So I want to talk to you about what merging acquisitions means in, in that kind of sense. So in investment banking, uh, merging acquisitions in investment banking, bankers advise companies to execute transactions where companies want to either sell themselves to buyers or acquire companies and diversify their their pro their resources through through acquisitions, small acquisitions of smaller companies, and this in terms of investment banking is split into two sections: the sell side of M and A and the buy side of M and A. In the sell side, you're a banker and you're looking to advise a company that wants to sell, either the company or just a specific division of that company. In the buy side, you advise a company that wants to acquire another company or maybe just another division. So in investment banking and the mergers acquisition department, you'll be working as kind of the middleman who facilitates these sell side and buy side deals. Um, no, it's... Um... Yeah, like we said before, and these these people, once you're playing the middleman, you'll use these tools, as mentioned before, the price-to-earning ratios, the enterprise-value-to-sales ratios, the replacement costs, discounted cash flow, all those tools come into play. Mm, absolutely. So, like Connor said, when you need to come up with valuations of the the different companies, and as, as the middleman, you need to provide this sort of information to your your client, if your client has a vague idea of what they, what kind of um, market they want to start integrating within their business resources, you need to be able to provide them valuations and tell them specifically, you know, what kind of, what can you would expect out of this acquisition and the value it creates. 
Uh, and this is a very, very complex topic. And uh, it, it goes into the different processes of buy uh, and, and selling. And what, what it is, is you do research into a different uh, a portfolio of different companies. And then you present these to your clients. And then the cycle kind of continues. And mm. that is pretty much the, the role of an investment banker in, in mergers and acquisitions. In that sector, yeah. And all this knowledge we're teaching you here, guys, today. I mean, we always we always push this. We always say, you know, we're top 5%. Um, and a lot of us, I mean, me personally as well, I've applied to the likes of Goldman, uh, Morgan Stanley, and in the investment banking division. And having this like sort of basic knowledge, how we, you know, surface level and these different tools that they use day to day, you can use this sort of stuff in your application, show that you're enthusiastic, show that you're not just looking for this big name. You're actually passionate about what this bank does. And merger acquisitions, like Brandon said, it's one of the four cornerstones. Having even the slightest bit of knowledge within this can really help you set yourself aside. You're already setting yourself aside now by coming to these podcasts, already, already looking to push out that status quo and break it and learn more. So all this knowledge, guys, completely useful to you uh, to use in interview senses, to use on your initial applications and start ultimately kickstart your career within investment banking. If that's, you know, if that's the route you want to go down. Yeah, you, I mean, you guys have such a huge head start. And if you start to look into these things right now... As you are. The value of that is, is astron- astron- uh, if I can say it, is astronomical. <laughs> because when you, as someone who's young in our generation, and you start to get you know, more aware about this stuff, about mergers acquisitions, about private equity, capital markets, then you stand out amongst the crowd. You truly are a part of that 5%. Let me say that again. You truly are a part of the top 5% of people and the rest of the 95% have no clue and are just not on the same level. They're not looking into these new and emerging and these really fascinating topics, which will really, really help facilitate uh, your head start in the career. Exactly. And so this is just the first step. We're going to be talking more about, uh, more within finance, mergers and acquisitions. I have a, I have a, speech, in, I have a speech problem today. <laughs> mergers and acquisitions is just the first topic we're going to be talking about. We're going to be branching into these other cornerstones to put yourself ahead of the other candidates. Mm. I mean, as we introduce topics, we do implore that you, know, you look into into the deeper findings and maybe even post on our gen. Share the knowledge that you find with the rest of the community and they will share back. And this is, in a sense, uh, a kind of synergies which which our community which can provide. Uh, we can enrich our knowledge together. So feel free to go ahead and write about your experience in mergers and acquisitions, what you know about it in the OurGen uh, groups and forums today. Merger myself, I mean, I get knowledge off Mark about uh, the markets and Bitcoin. I give my own knowledge about index funds and investing as well. And we kind of merge the best of our qualities uh, to benefit, just like we talked about before about certain other, other businesses merging. 
Absolutely. And uh, I think we're drawing to the end of the podcast, Connor. So let's go ahead and wrap up by talking about what we'll be talking about next week, uh, which is rotating to that tech aspect with uh, data analytics. I know that data analytics is one of your strong points, Connor, isn't it? Uh, indeed, yeah. Like we said, we want to always keep this rotational aspect going, uh, have knowledge in all different sectors. So yeah, data analytics is something I want to pursue a career within. So we were talking about the importance of it, certain methods to kickstart your career and enhance your knowledge in it. Uh, yes, that was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and we'll have a heck of a time. So, but until then guys, we'll, I'll just call in Ali saying once more and say, keep learning, get earning, and we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Perfect. See you all soon. Great stuff. Okay, yes.